Welcome to Composer Talk. I'm your host, Matthew Wong. As a film and TV composer, I love talking to others about their backgrounds, composition techniques, music tech, and more. We all watch films, TV, and digital media and know the important role that scoring plays in storytelling. I want to invite you to join me on this adventure to learn more about the artists who are behind the scenes creating the music. If you want to learn more about the people interviewed on this podcast, make sure to follow us on our socials. And if you enjoy Composer Talk, please take the time to rate and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your preferred listening site is. Hey everyone, just wanted to take a quick second to shout out our friends at QDB.com. That's C-U-E-D-B.com. QDB is a cloud-based software that allows you to make your own customizable cue lists for spotting, composition, orchestration, mixing, and cue sheet delivery. If you'd like to try it out, use the code COMPOSERTALK for 15% off for one year. Our next guest is the composer behind Lionsgate's Hulu Thriller Run and the Sony Pictures drama Searching, starring John Cho and Deborah Messing. He also composed the Zen Mode music for Snowman's hit iOS game Alto's Adventure and Alto's Odyssey, Apple's Arcade's iOS game where cards fall, and many more. He's the composer of Netflix's Lock and Key, which I'm very excited to talk about, and the composer is Torin Borrowdale. Hello, hello. <laughs> hey, so good to uh, to meet you. Great to meet you, Matt. Yeah, I saw Searching uh, when it was in theaters in LA, and yeah, I was like blown away by the score at the time. So, oh, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Such a pleasure to, ch- uh, to chat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you went to USC, right, to study film scoring? Correct, yeah. I studied uh, music composition and film scoring while at USC. Nice. Like, no one ever applies into that program without having an idea of like wanting to be a composer for film and TV, right? Yeah, so I, I've i always loved movies and music. I, um, I, I played piano growing up, and um, I found that I enjoyed improvising my own stuff on the piano rather than playing other people's music. So I knew I wanted to be involved in, you know, music creation in some sort of way. And I always use computers to to make music. And so film com- composition was was a, a really good fit for me. Um, one of my heroes, James Newton Howard, went to USC and uh, I knew it was a great school. So uh, I was fortunate enough to get in and, um, you know, met a lot of great people there and learned a lot about film and, and music um, they've got a fantastic cinema school where I met a lot of great film students and, um, I did a film minor myself and, um, it was a, it was a really great experience. Yeah. It seems like it's just like such a surefire way to do well in film music world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, there's a lot of smart people at USC and, and surrounding yourself uh, with people that are smarter than yourself uh, is always a good way to go. I mean, I guess, yeah, working on like your your fellow classmates' films and doing that, I guess, teaches you about how to like handle you know, time management and deadlines and all that. But do you feel like, yeah, going out of the program, like you were well prepared to just like take on like full on features and all that? Um, you know, working on student projects is a great way to get your foot in the door, to build relationships, to kind of understand the dynamics of film scoring um, on a smaller scale. Once you have a full feature or a full TV show to work with, the scale is so much different that school can't really prepare you for that. And it's what USC did help with was time management, deadlines, things like that. You've got such a short window of time to 
write the music, get it performed, get it mixed, get it, you know, dubbed into the film. That kind of the urgency of just having to write something and make it good definitely benefited early on. Um, in terms of the scale, though, of doing a show like Lock and Key or a movie like Searching, the amount of time you have to work on it is so much bigger and the details are so much, uh, there's a lot more fine details you have to work through. I mean, the smaller projects are really fun and I met a lot of great people, but it was once I finally got a bigger, bigger projects that I, I uh, really had to figure out what this film scoring thing was all about. Yeah. Well, in terms of that, I mean, I'm very curious about, so on Lock and Key, you record orchestra for every episode, right? Correct. Um, pretty much every cue, I think there's a couple exceptions in season one where we didn't have orchestra, but every cue has at least 40 strings playing and sometimes uh, 11 brass players uh, and a couple of soloists as well. Shout out Gina Luciani here quick. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Gina, Gina played flute on uh, seasons one and two. She's fantastic. Um, she sounds great uh, and she's great to work with. Yeah, so uh, we didn't record every week, which made it easier. So it wasn't that we spotted an uh, episode, wrote the episode, recorded it, and then moved on to the next. We would record in batches. So that really helped to um, kind of consolidate a lot of the workload. Um, so we'd record three episodes, four episodes, uh, and then another three episodes. And that um, kind of helped break it up, make it a little more manageable um, so that we're not pushing a deadline every single week or every two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't worked on any projects with uh, that that kind of demands for for orchestra on TV. So is that a thing where they have to like decide what the dub dates are based around the orchestra recording dates? Um, yes. Um, so usually it's the other way around. So we'll figure out when we need to record right. based on the dub dates. Um, the thing though is we uh, we're usually up against the VFX schedule, so it's more when visual effects is going to be finished and that's usually actually helps us that gives us more time because it takes it takes a lot longer for visual effects than for music and sound so um having a complicated uh visual effects layout actually makes it easier for the music <laughs> yeah have there ever been any moments where you recorded and then they changed a visual effect or have they been pretty good about it <laughs> um Sometimes, you know, usually the cuts I work off are pretty early on and I'm working on, you know, pretty rough VFX. By the time it gets finalized, sometimes, you know, moments change um, where suddenly it's, you know, I'm hit, trying to hit a moment and that moment comes a second later. And with with that being the case, uh, we have a music editor, Kevin Banks, um, who's been great at adjusting those sort of things so that he'll kind of convey my original intent and make an edit, you know, before or after to make it make sense visually. Um, so that's been helpful too. Yeah. Yeah. Great music editors make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, well, cool. I also want to ask about like, I mean, going back to searching now too. I mean, some of those like synth textures and score I thought were so cool. And I'm sure there's like a lot of like acoustic uh, kind of material being processed in creative ways. Right. Yeah, uh, searching was a, was a fun score to do. I mean, it was, you know, 
it was such a tech-oriented visual and story because it all takes place on the screen um, that we we did want to make sure that the score still had some heart and emotion to it. Um, so while incorporating some electronic elements, we did we did get to record a small ensemble for that score as well, and that kind of added the you know emotional. Um, depth that we couldn't quite get from just a purely electronic score. Um, oh yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a long time ago. Um, you know, I met, I did meet Anish, um, the director of Searching. We met in school. Uh, I'd done a couple projects with him and then Searching was his first project. So we worked on, we worked on that after he worked at Google and then it got into Sundance and picked up by Sony and then distributed in theaters worldwide. And so that was a great experience overall. I mean, it's kind of a challenging film, I imagine, to score because it like it basically like takes place on the equivalent of Zoom for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. But... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it was ahead of its time. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess like with an intimate score like that, where you are you know, I guess like complimenting what's going on on screen, which is very subtle acting because you can't really even move that much because uh-huh. it's confined to that space. Um, did you feel like there was anything about the way that you created, like, uh, just like textures musically that had to textures musically complement that? Um, interesting question. I think, um, you know, it's kind of a blank canvas. So uh, I, I did try to, to create a world that, you know, made sense within, you know, the world that you're seeing on screen. Um, you know, I wish I, I could get into depth about more of the electronic processing. I don't know if I have any interesting anecdotes for you there. I think the main challenge was, you know, the drama of the story is so compelling. It goes from one thing to the next so quickly. And the reveals in Searching are, I think, so dramatic. And um, I remember reading the script for it and wanting to make sure that I, the way I felt reading the script, which was, you know, my jaws on the floor, I wanted to make sure that was happening for the audience members watching it. And um, uh, so to me, it was mostly about the pace and tension. Um, There's a lot of sequences, really long sequences in Searching that kind of have to maintain uh, a level of momentum as it progresses. And, uh, you know, I think the longest one is like nine, eight or nine minutes. And it doesn't, it, watching it, it doesn't feel long, but it was kind of exhausting to, to write those scenes where you have to, you know, have a single cue last for such a long time, maintain a certain energy throughout, and then, you know, make sure to hit all these specific dramatic changes within that scene. Um, so to me, it was it was about capturing uh, the drama, and you know, with the with the live action show or or movie, you've got so much more to base the music off of. There's the cinematography. There's a lot more nuance to the acting. There's a lot more, um, I guess, visual material to play off of. Whereas searching was all about, you know all about the drama essentially and the the narrative. And so um, a lot of that momentum and tension is actually, it's based on the narrative, but you don't see it on screen. It's not 
it's not dramatic changes happening on screen visually. And so the music kind of has to make those visual changes um, or make those narrative changes feel real, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned uh, James Newton Howard earlier as like a composer influence. Uh, who else is like inspiring to you these days? Um, these days, you know, uh, you know, I've I've had a lot of um, favorite composers over the years. James Newton Howard, uh, he'll always, you know, his score for King Kong will always be the score that I'll point to, to that made me want to be a film composer. So. Um, you know, that score will always have a special place in my heart. Um, John Powell has always been a favorite of mine. Um, nowadays, I mean, I just watched Dune just came out, and I think Hans Zimmer is still the master at what he does. I, I think uh, what he created there was was really inspiring with, uh, I mean, he created a whole new sonic world, not just for, you know, one group of people, but, you know, many groups of people. So I, I think... I think uh, his work is really fantastic. Yeah. Did you ever like uh, assist or intern for any bigger name composers? Um, I interned a little bit with Christopher Lennertz. Um, he's he's been doing um, Lost in Space for Netflix. Um, yeah. So I worked for him for, I think, over a summer, maybe a little bit longer, maybe half a year. Um, and then, you know, after that, I decided that I just wanted to try the composer route and just be a composer rather than being an assistant first. And, you know, it, it's been, it's, it's worked out well for me. I, I feel really fortunate to have uh, been able to work as a composer. Um, but I do see a lot of merit in assisting other composers first. Cause I feel like there's a lot of, you know, technical tricks that you learn along the way, watching how someone else works um, that I you didn't get to see. So, you know, there's a lot of shortcuts in Pro Tools. There's a lot of, uh, you know, ways of routing things in different instruments, different samples that you can use that I, I learned along the way as myself, but by myself. But I think that if I had worked with someone else, maybe I would have learned these tricks a lot sooner. Um, and I think, you know, for me, lock and key has been a really good way to learn because I, the show covers so many different genres that I've been able to really practice, you know, full on horror cues and the most intimate, like touching family moments and pretty much everything in between. Um, and with those with those deadlines that really do come up quick, um, you know, it, it pushed the, puts some pressure on you to to just figure it out and make it make it happen. And um, you know, I think there's there's some dramatic dramatic things that I've I've really learned uh, on lock and key that I think if I had assisted other composers i probably would have would have started picking up on these things sooner but uh you know each everyone's everyone's got a different journey yeah for sure is there anything um anything else you would have like focused on like while studying at like usc or like that you wish you learned earlier on in your career that you um, know now things i would have 
wish I have learned earlier. You know, <laughs> all of the professors at USC were like, you know, film scoring is not really something you can teach. Uh, and all I wanted to do was learn how to film score because I, you know, that's what I loved. I loved the most and wanted to figure out how did how did these composers actually do this and make it interesting and how are they doing things that I'm not able to do. And, you know, having worked a couple of years now, I I can understand that better. Like the nitty gritty parts of film scoring are really the composer's dramatic instincts. And that literally just gets honed over time. And I wish that was something you could teach a little more concretely. And it, it is a pretty abstract thing to do. But once, like, having worked on Lock and Key, we're in the middle of season three now, seeing very similar scenes over and over again, my instincts on where to make dramatic changes uh, comes a lot more naturally than it did for season one. And I think it's just the amount of practice and material to work with that I've been really able to hone those instincts. Um, and I don't know if, I mean, I do feel like they could, that the, that sort of practice could be taught, but, you know, in school, there's so much technical things about, you know, the music side of things, composition, um, about computers, how to, how to use a DAW. Like there's so much additional things that need to be taught before dramatic instincts even, even come into play. So I th I think it's just uh, it's all part of the process, and unfortunately, with film music, there is no shortcut. There's just five different things you have to be able to master, and uh, never enough time. For sure. Well, if it's okay with you, I think we'll go into the last segment for the podcast a segment called Tech Talk, where we'll stop a tech topic, and you can say as much or as little as you want about it. Okay. <laughs> for first one here is Daw. Oh, uh, I use Pro Tools. Um, it's just been really easy to go, you know, from a, a MIDI session into a recording session. So, and uh, I used a couple different programs earlier on. I used Sonar and Logic for a bit. And um, <laughs> it takes so much brain power just to switch uh, from one to the next that I don't think I'll switch after Pro Tools because... I'm pretty comfortable here, and I, I, in terms of MIDI, I think they're catching up with Cubase and and other DAWs. So uh, I'm, I've been pretty happy with Pro Tools. Cool. Uh, next is synths. Um, you know, I'm I've been getting a little more into synths. You know, in season two of Lock and Key, there's been um, Gabe's character. I felt really didn't fit. Even though he is the villain from season one, I think the music we written for season one didn't quite fit the vibe of of him and Eden. So I did introduce Synths um, for his character in relation to Eden as well, the other villain of season two. And um, I've been using... Uh, I'm trying to think of the name... Uh, it's a very it's a very common one for like pop production. Um like serum. Serum, yes, exactly. Um and it's been fantastic. I mean, there's so I've been using different synths over the years, uh Zebra and Omnis I don't know if Omnisphere counts as a synth, but I feel like what you can do with 
serum is pretty limitless and you get a really good crisp sound every time. Um, so that's, I, I incorporated that into Gabe's character. Um, I do wish I knew more about how to program it. I mean, anytime I take a break from writing and just kind of, you know, fiddle around with synths, like, it'll, it, you can, you can tinker for hours and, and come up with random things that aren't necessarily useful for film scoring. Um, but I do feel like synths are kind of an unexplored area that, um, I, I'll need to get more into. Uh, next, favorite string libraries? Strings. Um, I use, for my main string libraries, I use LAS. Um, I, I feel like it's a really solid. Uh, it's a classic. Classic. Classic string library. I know that's probably what everyone uses. Um, but it's it's done really well. And you can you can modify it really easily to, to be the size and um, the size that you want. And they've they've got plenty of solid um, you know basic patches. I for for lock and key I used a bit of Spitfire Swarm. I I felt like they kind of add a nice bit of texture and bit of movement without having to, you know, just use uh, ordinary tremolos. It kind of adds a, a different layer of, of motion to the strings that um, that I think really helps. Nice. Well, you killed it here with Tech Talk. Don't tell um, listeners what you've got uh, coming up. Um, right now, we're, I'm just in the middle of season three of Lock and Key. Um, there's... Uh, plenty more to come for fans of the show um but i really can't say anything about it unfortunately um but you'll just have to wait and see awesome well Torn, it was such a pleasure having you on the podcast pleasure being here matt thank you so much thanks for listening to this episode of composer talk if you like what we're doing feel free to follow us on instagram or facebook The show is mixed and sounds great thanks to the incredible Eric Bard, who's also a talented composer, producer, and mixer. Until next time, this has been Matthew Wong.